chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at a continuation of last week when we were in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to hit a three or four more weeks in Colossians and we'll be done. And uh, no more than that, sure, I'm sure. Uh, but last week we looked at verses 1 to 4, pretty much, 1 through 4. Today we're going to deal with verses 5 through 10. And we want to learn something today from God's Word. That's our goal, isn't it? I appreciate the service today. Sometimes we have a loud service, a, a moving service. Sometimes we have a quiet one. Today's been kind of a quiet service. That's a good time too, isn't it? God always has a purpose and a plan. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, I, I, I give this thought today from the Scripture as the replacement life. The replacement life. What happened? What, what do you think about a replacement? You know, uh, I, bought a, I bought a battery for my truck and it, it went out early and they gave me a replacement for it, didn't they? You, you follow what I'm saying? The old one was replaced with a new one, right? And so we're going to learn from the Scripture today in Colossians about how as a Christian, there's a, 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 we have a practical responsibility to replace the old life with new life, okay? And we have to surrender to that and agree to that, and we have to practice that. We have to practice it. And I'll, I'll share with you why. Beginning with verse 1, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ. Spent a lot of time on that last week, so I think you covered. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, uh, where Christ sitteth, on the right hand of God. Our focus is on the Lord in heaven. Set your affections on things above, and not on the things of the earth. For you're dead, and your life is hid. Spent some time on that last week. Hope you didn't miss that. Your life is hid with Christ in God. Everything you miss out here, you're going to have in heaven. Everything's just hid right now, and you're going to experience it all in a glorious way when you're in heaven. He says in verse 4, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Not just the place we call glory, but in a glorified state. Yeah, a new body. Now, verse 5 is what we really pick up today and what we're going to think about. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affections, evil concupiscences, covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, into which ye also walked, sometime when you lived in them. Verse 8, But now ye also put off all of these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on. You see the replacement life? You put off. Verse 8, but now ye also put off all of these. Verse 10, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Now, this is all a part of the, the understanding, the truth, that 
we are in a union with the Lord Jesus Christ. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your faith connects you back to the cross. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So my faith connects me to salvation, but it also connects me to the cross where Jesus died. And it connects me to his burying in the tomb. And it connects me to his resurrection. We have been spiritually revived and raised from a dead person spiritually to being a living person in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we died with him, uh, we're connected with his grave where all of our sins are put away. And how far is our sins separated from us? As far as the east is from the west. Not the north and the south, because you go north and you get a dead end and you start going south again. But if you go east or west, you never come to an end. Our sins are buried in the depths of the sea, separated us. Thank God for the blood of Christ that washes our sins away. Now we're connected to His resurrection and our baptism pictures these truths. That we, were, we died on the cross with Christ, we were buried with Him in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. So our union with Christ, you are not the same person you were before. You are now united with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're in Him and He is in you. His life, His death, His burial, His resurrection, you are a part of that. So he says, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. We are raised up with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the life of replacement is verse 8 and verse 10. I already alluded to it. But he said, put off these. And he said, put on these. So you put on like you put on clothes. Yesterday, some of you got out and got good and dirty. You got good and dirty. Now when you went to bed last night, you took a bath before you went to bed. And you may have even taken one this morning. And maybe you didn't get so dirty yesterday. You took one this morning. I've been sniffing around everybody this morning. I don't smell anybody that needs a bath. So we all got our Saturday night baths look like. The truth is, you don't put a new clean pair of clothes on a dirty body. You don't, right? And, and so the deal is, we are, we're washed in the blood of Jesus. We have to put off. That's repentance. Put off. That's repentance. And we put on our new clothing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, over in Ephesians 4, uh, verse uh, 14, it te- four, uh, verse 24, it teaches about this. Uh, but I'm not going to go to it. The, the ideal is that we're replacing the old life with a new life. We're replacing the old habits with new habits. That's a part of the Christian life. So we've been renewed constantly. How many of you have ever heard the thing? I, I've never searched it out to see if it's true, uh, but I've heard it uh, many years now that your body, your cells renew their self, and by the end of seven years, all of your cells have been completely renewed. You've heard that? And, you know, I've heard that. All, I've never really looked into uh, to check it out. But, you know, the truth is, spiritually speaking, don't you know that's also true? that you're renewed daily, the Bible says, as a Christian, and by a certain time, you are completely renewed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So, he says, what do you do? 
as a Christian, now I'm, I'm saved. What do you do? Seek those things which are above, knowing Jesus, knowledge of Christ, uh, fellowship with Christ. Seek those things. Put those things into your life. Go get in the Word, get in church, get in preaching, get in Bible study, and replace, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18. And then he says in verse 2 there, set your affections on things above. So as a Christian, if you're going to live the victorious Christian life, you've got to have a new focus. And if you don't have a new focus, you're going to be in trouble. And really, repentance is the beginning of the new focus in our life. When we turn to Christ, we're looking for a new focus. And so this scripture is teaching us to set our affections on the things above rather than the things of this earth. You know, I think of the man in Luke 12 that said to his soul, he was talking to himself, and he said, you know, I've, I've, I've got this and that. I've got barns and big barns, and I'm, I'm going to be more prosperous, and I'm going to tear down these barns, and I'm going to build bigger barns. And Jesus said, you, you fool, tonight your soul will be required of you. And, and, and is Jesus saying, don't tear down barns and build bigger barns? Is Jesus saying, don't try to be more pro No, he's saying, number one things first, our soul. The condition of our soul is the most important thing. And so as a Christian, you have to take care of your soul. You probably never heard that before. You have to take care of your soul. You know, they, they've been telling me for a long time, I need to take care of my body. Uh, and I use this scripture to combat that. Bodily exercise profited a little. That's my, that's my proof text against going to the gym like I, I should. And by, by the way, I do have a gym membership, and I've had it since January. I've been once. That's good for me because I didn't go any the last 40 years. So I'm really big. But you know, we, we should take care of our body, shouldn't we? Right? We should. But how much more should we take care of our soul? Keep it in, t in tune. Keep it right. Keep it in tune with God. Keep it in tune with who we are, who we want to be. You know, you can have your soul stolen. Be careful. You can become someone you would never intend to be. I've heard that testimony a, a hundred times. I became someone I hated and despised. That can happen. Take care of your soul. Now as a Christian, your soul belongs to Jesus. But that, mean, that doesn't mean it's maintenance free. You know, I, when I bought that battery I told you about, it said maintenance free. Is there any such thing as maintenance free on earth? No, all that means is you don't have to do anything. You can take it back when it goes bad. The only place we're ever going to be maintenance free is in heaven. You know, this church takes a lot of maintenance. Uh, this preacher takes a lot of maintenance. Your soul, your spirit, your work habit, it all takes a realignment. It takes a lot of maintenance. If you just kind of sit there, you will just dry up or get larger. It takes maintenance. It takes a replacement life. And so he gives us the introduction to that in verse 1. He says, seek those things which are above. Verse 2, he said, set your affections on things above. And get a reset. Instead of set on this world, get yourself set on the Lord and heaven and those things. And then the third thing is where we're going to really get into it. He says, mortify, verse 5. 
Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affections, evil, concupiscencies, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now the word mortify comes from a mortician. You know what a mortician does? He, he's the last one to let you down, right? They, I'm not going to get into the gross part, right? I'm not going to get into But you know what they do. They replace things in your body with a fluid. And it mortifies you. Now, what this, how this is associated with the Christian life, we, we put it to death. We died with Jesus on the cross. Right? It's not talking about self-denial. It's not talking about that. But we treat our old habits, our old way of living, as if we are dead. Dead men aren't tempted. Associate yourself with being dead in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not... It's, it's, it's a, you look at the old life. You get an attitude. Hey, you know what God thinks of sin? God hates sin. God hates sin. And you need to have a healthy hatred for sin, but not everybody else's as much as our own. And so a denial of its continued existence is what that's talking about. And we put it in the rearview mirror like it's rotten, decayed, and offensive to us. We need to have that attitude towards sin. And I say that because some people make a profession of Christ, a profession in Christ that they're saved, and they just continue down their merry way. Just like, no, no, no. It's been put to death. Get an attitude towards sin that's in your life that has controlled your life. It's like a gangrene that will continue to destroy your soul if you don't put it behind you and move on. Turn from it. That's repentance. Our body. In the first century, by the way, John addresses this. In the first century, uh, there was a, a Gnostic group that, that said to the Christians that your body is bad. Your body is evil. Your body, just don't worry about what goes on. Your body continued. You, you can't change it anyway. But see, that's going too far. Your body really, really is not evil. It's your old nature that's evil, Right? Our old nature. Our body is a good thing. God made us a good body. Now, it's been, it's been hindered because of sin. And so, he's saying our body is good. It's the temple of the Holy Ghost, right? He lives in us when we're saved. And, and so, uh, it's the old nature that is bad. And you may still be dealing with it. And I want to encourage you to put it to death. Uh, and acknowledge it that it's been put to death in the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross at Calvary. Now look at these things. These sins of the flesh that he mentions here that we need to put away from us. Fornication. Now, that's sexual activity outside of marriage. Sexual activity outside of marriage. Put it away. Put it away. I don't know why it's quiet yet, but uh, don't let it get too quiet in here now. Put it away. Right? Sexual activity outside of marriage. Uncleanness. He's speaking of the sexual nature, pornography, filthiness, dirtiness, uncleanness, inordinate affection. This would be homosexual uh, attractions and things like that. Not just the sin, but the attraction. You should put it to death. Put it to the cross. Evil concupiscencies would be in the same category to desire something that is forbidden. You know, I think of 
Adam and Eve in the garden, they desired something that God forbade them to do, right? It was a tree, a fruit tree. It doesn't matter what it is in your life. Put it away if God wants you to leave it behind. Leave it behind. Are you with me? Now, verse 6. He said, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. He says in the next verse, In which you were somewhat involved in before you became a Christian. We need to have the right attitude towards sin. Now, do we always live up to where we need to be? No, we fall short. We still have a sin nature, right? We still can fall. You take a person that's having a problem with, with alcohol. It can be alcohol. It can be any of the other things. The reason we pick on uh, smoking and alcohol because they're more uh, clean and clear that we can deal with, right? But the reason we have trouble with things like that is because we have a nature that it appeals to. He said, put these things away. I don't know why he's telling you to put away, but uh, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affections, evil concupiscences. You know, that doesn't, uh, the list here is not everything in, in the world, is it? I think of drugs. Should a Christian put drugs away from them? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Are there other things we should put away? Absolutely. There's many other things. And they're a part of our old nature. There they, they were something maybe we were uh, controlled with. In our, he said, put them to death. Mortify, therefore, the deeds of your body. Verse 7, he says, into which ye also walked sometimes when you live in them. Now, there's things in our life today that you need to put behind you. I don't know what it is. I don't, I, I, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm going to tell you something that's, that may sound controversial. But what's wrong to me and what is important to me may not be wrong and important to you at this point in your life. that make any sense? You know, the, the only sin that's really important is the one the Holy Spirit's putting His finger on. You say, preacher, I've been doing this thing. I've been, I've been watching this stuff on TV and that stuff, and it don't bother me a bit, and you just gave me permission to go ahead and do it. I sure did, but guess what? The Holy Ghost is probably going to get you tonight. He'll probably get you tonight when you least expect it. I'm not really giving you permission, but I'm just saying God has to deal with it. Now, God hates sin, and that should be our attitude towards sin. Sin brings punishment. Why? Because God is holy. God is holy, and sin cannot enter into His presence. That's why His own Son died on that cross at Calvary. If God could save you through religion, Jesus would have never died on that cross. But God cannot save you by you being good enough or you changing your life. It's got to be the blood of Christ that washes the sin away. There has to be a time of acknowledgement that He's my Lord and Savior and trust Him as your Savior. As Christians, we've got to remember, put it to the cross. Don't yield. Don't yield and realize our nature is to yield. It really is. Now, I want to read you... Galatians 5.16. Galatians 5.16. It says this. This I say, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
For the flesh lusts or battles against the spirit, and the spirit battles against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. Did you ever feel like you're crazy inside? That's that's true. Some of you more than others. But there's in us, there's two people inside. There's the new man, the old man. And the old man battles against the new man so that you cannot enjoy the Christian life like you should. And then, and then the new man kicks the old man around so you can't enjoy the world like he once did. And guess who wins that battle? The one you feed. The one you feed. Put off the old man. Put on the the new man feed the new man hey if we're not if we're not walking in the spirit we are going to fulfill the lust of the flesh and what is real in us today will become a hypocritical walk in Christ if we don't stay in tune with walking in the spirit you know that's a bad thing about people that uh, you know kind of uh, becomes the super saint among us and don't be that just be uh, just be a good obedient christian but those that become the super saint, uh, they don't always live up to the super saint uh, uh, respectability, and they have to fake it till they get back. And it happens. Fake it till you make it. You know, it, it happens. Just need to be real, don't we? So if we're not walking in the Spirit, we can't fulfill... Uh, the lust of the Spirit. We fulfill the lust of the flesh. And the battle is on. Now, verse 5, he said, count it dead. Mortify, therefore, the deeds of your body. Now, he's talking about those things in verse 5 that we all know are wrong. Yeah. Can a Christian fall to these things? Absolutely. Yes, a Christian can. Can a Christian overcome these things? Absolutely. Amen, we can. Uh, Can a Christian have... Victory, yes. Can a Christian have defeat? Yes. What should a Christian do when we find ourselves overwhelmed by sin? First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That verse is good for every Christian. We've we got to confess. Now I'm going to tell you something. As a Christian, hey, hey, Keep, keep, stay in here. Don't, don't give up on, on this thing. Keep coming. Keep being here. Keep on keeping on. Keep this battle with the flesh ongoing if you're struggling. But realize that only Jesus can give you the victory. And he can. Now verse 8. He says, uh, let me make it more personal here. Let me take it to a step, a, a step further in verse 8. He said, but now ye also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Okay, now wait a minute. Verse 5 dealt with the sins of the flesh. 2 Corinthians 7.1 introduces us to sins in the Spirit. 
sins in the soul. Okay, two categories. Sin to the flesh are easy to identify. We are to put those things off. There, we've been crucified with Christ. But these also need to be put off. Notice what he says. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication. Well, preacher, I don't have a problem with them. You don't. Well, anger. You ever you ever have a problem with a bad attitude? You ever, you ever have a problem with a bad attitude? You know, I, I'm thinking we ought to have a bad attitude Sunday. A bad attitude Sunday. We'll all come with a bad attitude that day. And get it out of our system, right? A bad attitude. A critical spirit. Negative spirit. Uh, just, you know, Debbie hates this. Debbie Downer attitude. She hates that term. She's not that way, by the way. So, anger, just being annoyed. How many of you go shopping and you're already annoyed before you get there? It don't get better, does it? It gets worse. I don't know if you understand this, but the world out there, the unsaved world out there, when they look at us, they got a high standard for us. They got a high standard for us. And when we look up to heaven, the Lord has a high standard for us. It's only us to have a low standard for us. Well, preacher, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Yeah, you are, and you ought to be a better person if you can be at all. Just because you're a sinner saved by grace don't mean you ought to be as bad as you can be. You ought to be the best you can be. You should preach that won't get me to heaven. Absolutely not, but it'll make you act like you're going there. Replace anger. What's a good replacement word for anger? I'm going to let you help me. What do we re- replace anger with? Love. Exactly what I got in my notes, Ronnie. Praise the Lord. Uh, we, we can justify our anger. We, we, can, we can just, we can say, well, this happened and, and, and I have a right to be angry. Jesus was angry. Yeah, but he knew what he was doing. I don't. You don't either. That's right. Now he said wrath. Wrath. Oh, wrath. Just carrying that thing in you. You're mad before you got there. Yeah. Wrath. A violent, even maybe uncontrollable attitude. Replace it. Replace it. What do you replace it? To exhort one another. Right? To encourage someone. To build someone up. This happens to me all the time. Happens to me all the time and, and I don't get caught. I've been living this Christian life for a long time and I've learned a few things. I haven't learned everything, but I've learned a few things. Somebody will just make me as mad, and not every time, sometimes I don't catch myself, but somebody just make me, and you you don't catch me, and, and I catch myself, and I say something good rather than what I want to say. Anybody ever catch yourself? you got to catch yourself, amen. You say, preacher, why do you do that? Well, see, I'm, I'm going to tell you the rest of the story, because if I get mad, i got more problems i got to deal with, so I just fake it till I make it, you know Got to replace that wrath, don't we? Replace it. And then the third one, malice. 
This is under the surface stuff going on in your life. You're just mad. There's wrath, malice. You have some hatred. You wish somebody would not be blessed, but the opposite. Malice. That's part of that bad attitude. We need to be a builder rather than a destroyer. Then blasphemy. What do you do with blasphemy? Hey, you surely don't use God's name in vain, do you? You surely don't use God's name in vain. And surely you do. You think I'm being fooled by the fact that you all looked all pretty and everybody looks saved today. Everybody looks like a good Christian today. And you telling me you want me to believe that the word uh, God's name in vain doesn't get used by this group. I know better. But we need to put that away. We need to put it away. We need to put away the anger the bad attitude. We need to put away the wrath. We need to put away the malice. <coughs> we need to put away the blasphemy. The offenses speaking. Sacri- uh, sacrilegious profanity. Put them away. Put them away. And then the last one here in that verse is filthy communication. Filthy communication. Cussing. Put it away. I know I'm talking to a group of people that ain't all got it all put away. You understand that word, that statement? You ain't got it all done. That's why it's there. You know, sometimes people get mixed up. They think because you're Christian, you you, you got everything going the right way. And so I want to ask you a question. If you got everything going away, going right way, and if it's all automatic, why did the Bible write these things? Why did the Bible address these issues if when you get saved, it just automatically goes away from you and you don't have any more problem with it? Why would he even talk about it if it automatically goes away? It don't automatically go away. You can live in the flesh rather than in the Spirit. Profanity. Notice he goes on to say in the next verse, Lie not one to another, verse 9, seeing ye have put off the old man. Hey, God hates a liar. You know, I know you hate a liar. You do, don't you? You hate a liar, don't you? When I say hate, I, you don't hate the individual. Uh, maybe hope not. Mm-hmm. I'm, not I'm, I'm done with that, going down that path. But, but it's in our nature to despise someone lying to us. And, and I tell you what, you're trying to tell someone a lie and, and, and try to fix a situation, and then if they find out you're lying, oh, it's twice as bad as it was. Your problems just began. So what does he close out with in this verse? He says in verse 10, And I put on a new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created. Now, you know, I told you that word renewed. We're, we're being renewed. He said, put on the new man. Seek the things which are above. Set your affections on the things above. Count that old fleshly life as dead. Be renewed in your knowledge. Be renewed in the Word of God. Read the Word. Study the Word. Learn the Word. Be in the Bible study. Replace the passions in your soul with a passion for Christ and a passion for good things. 
change what you put in your mind. Change what you're taking in. Your eyes, your ears, and your other senses. Change what you're allowing in. You know, the Bible tells us, you know what one of the verses in in 1 Corinthians tells us how to deal with fornication? He said, run from it. You're, you're tempted with an opportunity of, of fornication. You go, hmm, let me think about this. Let, let me look at this. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. He didn't say debate it, did he? Right? Flee fornication. Boy, you sit there and debate it. You'll find reasons why you should. Flee it. Get deeper in the Word. Try to eliminate the opportunities that come your way. Avoid those opportunities. Seek for that victory that Christ gives and continue fearing God. The Bible says in Psalms 36, 1, that the wicked man does what he does because he has no fear of God. Folks, we need to fear God. Every one of us needs a healthy fear of God. You know, we've been told today, false philosophers, talk this, false philosophers tell us this. Oh, you're Christians, there's no need to fear God anymore. No, 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 no. No, no, you've got to keep that in. You've got to understand who He is. He's God. I'm a rule breaker, are you? Are you a rule breaker? I'm a rule breaker. He rescued me from a life of rule breaking. I have the tendency to continue that habit. I'm the fearing. You know, no fear. Yeah, fear God. If you fear God, you don't have to fear the devil. Think about it. Fear Him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. And then, in closing, we always need to let our sin drive us to Jesus. Some people, when they are getting started as a Christian, they, they have a problem with sin and they run from the church. They run from the, the discipler or the visitor. They run from them. They try to get away from them. Run to the Lord. Don't run away. Run to the Lord. Don't run away. Let's all stand. We need to learn this walking in the Spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. The fact that you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're overcoming all this stuff. It's real. It's real. You have a problem with inordinate affections or you have a problem with fornication you have a problem with those sins of the flesh you have a problem with anger and malice and hatred hey run to the Lord don't run away and we won't give you an opportunity to come to the altar to pray today if you've got anything you need to pray about you come to this altar today a Christian is not born full born full grown a Christian is born as a babe in Christ.
If you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, we want to invite you to come today to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Let's sing it out. Let's sing that out real good and we'll close our service today. Sing out real good. I appreciate some of you making an effort to sing it out loud, but we're going to have to do better than that. Let's all sing it out today. Preacher, I ain't going to do it because you told me to now. That's a lot better. did better, didn't they? All right. All right. Let's have the ushers come. Others are still on this altar. Don't let us interrupt you. You continue talking to one another.